0: Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church, Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Amazing. Am I the favourite son in law? Or... Just just want to ask the question, you know, or am I more the prodigal son that comes and goes and that's probably more me. Um, yeah, I'm Sam. Um, I'm from England, even though I don't sound like it because I am Australian and um, it's quite funny actually because... Because in England, a lot of people think that I'm very Australian and I sound very Australian. Then I come back to Australia and everyone thinks, Sam, you've changed your English now. Your accent's changed. And it's this whole contrast between am I English, am I Australian? But more often than not, I always get, are you from New Zealand? Are you you Kiwi? (laughs) Because if you actually take Australian and you take English, you end up as a Kiwi. And um, I am definitely, definitely not a Kiwi. Although I know there's somebody sitting in church today that would... Yeah, yeah, he's a Kiwi, so don't take any offence to that, Steve. But so just to, I guess, give you some context. Yeah, I'm Sam. I'm married to Sophie, who's I think taking care of our, our little daughter Matilda. She's um, due for a sleep when Dad wants to preach, so she's off doing that at the moment. But um, yeah, we've been yeah we were part of Bay Life for a lot of years. Obviously, Sophie was here at the start, and then I think I came to Bay Life maybe a year or two after it started, and we were here until 2013 and then we moved over to England for what we thought was going to be a year or two, and it's now been nearly five, Um, and we just renewed our visa. I'm going to give a bit of history because I know there's lots of people here today that probably want to know how we're doing, so I'll just quickly do that at the start, then it'll save me a lot of conversations at the end. But we just (laughs) renewed our visa for um, another five years. Um, Doesn't mean we're going to stay for five years, okay, so we're not sure yet. We're just sort of waiting and letting God lead us in the process, but... We've uh, just renewed our visas, and I um, work in construction over there at the moment, um, I, but we also both uh, volunteer as youth pastors. We're both youth pastors at Hillsong Church in Tunbridge, and uh, it keeps us on our toes a lot, because obviously I'm working full-time, and Sophie's uh, being a mum and, and doing all of that she does there, and it keeps us quite busy, but we, we love life in England. It's very different. The town that we live in is actually quite similar to, to Port Stephens in the sense that it's a small town. Everybody sort of knows everyone when i when i tried to describe to people in tunbridge what what port stevens is like i say it's just like home and away um it's got the beaches it's got the sand it's got it's got a little bit of controversy every now and then um but um but yeah i that's how i describe port stevens to people in tunbridge but i guess tunbridge to to you guys here is literally it's just like port stevens except for there's no beaches so um and and we get snow every now and then but um, no, we, we love life over there. It is very different. It is certainly not the same. But um, God has taken us on a big journey whilst we've been over there, a big faith journey for us. And, and and we've gone from a place of having to, I guess, rely on ourselves, I think, which is what we used to do a lot when we were around here, to actually trust in God in every area of our lives over there. Because we are there on our own. We don't have family. We, we just live life. And, and now we've got Matilda. It's even a bigger step of faith. But um, it's been an amazing step of faith and journey. And that's sort of where my message from for today is from. It's from, I guess, a journey of understanding what God has for, for our lives as men and Soph, but also for the lives of, of anyone who chooses to put their faith and trust in Jesus. And, and that journey is a journey of that that God has a plan and a purpose for your life that is way more than you could probably ever imagine or, or dream. And if you had have said to me, When I left Australia five years ago, Sam, you'll be in England for at least five years and you'll be a youth pastor again and you'll be preaching and doing all this type of stuff. I would would have shaken my head and said, no, that's not part of the plan. I don't think that'll ever happen. But little did I know that God had a plan for more for my life than I could even understand. And that's sort of where this message has come from this morning. And um, I hope you're excited. I hope you're passionate. You know, one thing that I always do when I get up to speak... At our church back in the UK, as I always remind everyone that I'm a youth pastor, and what that means is that I need feedback as I preach. If 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 I say something you like, you can let me know. Yeah, I I like it. You just give me that feedback, and I'll preach better. That's how I work. I'm a youth pastor, and um, yeah, if 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 God is saying something to you today. Make sure make sure you're leaning in. Make sure, make sure you're really pressing into what he's going to say because I, I guarantee you, besides my illustrations and whatever else happens, the Word of God is in this message, and, and he's got a message that he wants to share with you today. But what your responsibility is is you're got to lean in. You've got to be willing to listen. You've got to be willing to lean into what God wants to say to you because if you're not doing that, you will just walk out of here exactly the way that you came in. But my, my, my prayer for you today is that you walk out different, you walk out changed, not because of what I've said, but what, because of what God has said through His Word and through the message today. So before we go any further, I'm just going to pray, and then we'll jump right into it. Father God, we thank You for Your Word, Lord God. We thank You for the, the chance that we have to look into it, Father God, and just look to see what You've written down for us to help us in life, Father God. We thank You that Your Word is a light unto our feet, Father, and that it guides us and it it leads us through life. And we pray this morning as we look at it, Lord God, that you teach us, that you show us everything that you want us to learn this morning. And Father God, we will leave this place different to the way that we came in. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, my message today is titled, There Is More. I'm just going to move this over to here. And um, I will walk around a bit. I don't like standing still. I don't know if it's some weird thing about me, but I do like to walk around. But my title for the message this morning is There Is More. And yeah, there's a slide there. Um, and like I've already said, this message came a, pla- a place for me, I guess, sort of about my own story about what God's done in me, in my life over the last couple of years and sort of what He's stretched and, and what He's done for me. And, and we're going to go through a, a bit of the Old Testament today. We're going to go through a bit of the New Testament. But I guess the first thing I want to sort of challenge you on and get you thinking about is this, this whole thought of making decisions in life. You know, we, each and every one of us come to a point in life where we've got to make decisions sometimes. And, and there's, there's choices that we can make that are either going to push us forward in life or we're going to get stuck. We're not going to move anywhere and we're just going to be stuck in this situation. And, and some, some of these choices, some of these decisions can revolve around food, you know. Like sometimes, sometimes we've got the decision that we need to make between either KFC or McDonald's. And that decision, it's a big one. You know, if you're a chicken fan, you're going to go the fried chicken, but if you like a cheeseburger, then obviously it's McDonald's. But I'm here to say that there is a better decision than both of those, and that is Mod Thai. So if you're willing to take the takeaway Thai option, that is that is, that is the there is more in that situation. Another another situation, and I know this one is a big one, this one, this one is big, is what sport do you follow in Australia? I mean, there's so many sports. You know, you could be a rugby league fan, you could be a rugby union fan, you could follow the AFL, but... With the World, coming, World Cup coming up, me now being English, may, might I say there is a sport that is better. That is football, that is soccer. There is more. Make sure you get behind the, the socceroos. They're going to do well. Everyone actually in England keeps on asking me, is Australia even in the World Cup? I'm like, yes, we are. We might be the lowest ranked team or something like that, but we are in there and we're going to win. So, yeah, we'll, we'll try to win something. Yeah, that's right. And then the last thing, and this one's a bit of controversy. This one's more for Rob Gibbons than anyone else. There's um, what car are we gonna buy? I mean, what car are we are we gonna are we gonna buy a Toyota? Are we gonna buy a Holden? Are we gonna buy a, a Nissan, a Mazda? Who knows? But you know the, there is more as the Ford. So, the there is more. The more option is the Ford. So um, yeah, get out there, buy one. Ford are paying me, by the way. I'm sponsored by them, so they just paid me to say that. No, not really. But seriously, though, there's times in life where where we come to a point where we've got to make a decision and I guess the decision that we make will determine where we end up and we can make a decision that'll I guess get us stuck and hold us and keep us where we are or there's a decision that which more often than not is the God decision which will actually propel us into our future into his plans and his purposes for our life and what I want to encourage you around today is the whole idea of you know what you can choose that God decision and choosing that there is more that God has for you, and and if you've made that choice before and it hasn't quite happened, I want to encourage you to, don't lose the faith, don't don't stop believing, don't stop dreaming, don't don't stop visioning, visioning for what God has for your life, because He has a plan and a purpose, and He wants to outwork it. And you know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which is one of the most quoted scriptures. I think all preachers and pastors preach is about God having a plan and a purpose for for those that love Him and are called according to His will. And I totally believe that scripture 100% that God has a plan and a purpose. But you know what? Sometimes if we're all serious, if we're all speaking on the same page here, sometimes it just doesn't seem to be happening. We'll have a vision. We'll have a dream. We'll have something that God placed in our heart. And we're like, yeah, this is going to happen. then a year passes. And then two years pass. And then four, five, ten, however many years pass. And it just hasn't happened. And we lose the hope. We lose the faith. And we're like, God, you gave me this dream. You gave me this vision. You say you've got plans and purposes, but it's just not happening. But I'm here this morning to remind you that there is more. God has more for your life. Those visions, those dreams, those plans, they aren't a fantasy. They aren't just a far-off thing that God placed in your heart for no reason. He's placed them in your heart because He wants to outwork them in your life. He wants them to be a reality. He wants you to be passionate and driven about the things of Him and His kingdom and the plans that He has for your life. And He doesn't want you to lose hope. When the storms come, when the trials come, he doesn't want you to be beaten up and battered and held, held in your position, but He actually wants you to push on further into what He has for your life. And that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about this morning. That's, that's where we're still gonna sort of going to go. And, I, and as I've said, I said we're going to talk about a bit of the Old Testament. We're going to look about, look at a passage of Scripture there, and we're going to look at a bit of the New Testament as well. But um, I guess one thing, one thing that I sort of want to talk at the very start is that in the Bible, when we look throughout the whole thing, there's so many examples of people that had the more the promise of God, and then they were able to see it happen. You know, when we look at Joseph and and the dreams and the visions that he had as a, as a young boy, and then he would go on to to lead Egypt and and lead them through the famines. And then when, when we look at when we look at like um, I've got it all written down here. When we look at David and, and he steps into his kingdomship, and when we look at Nehemiah and he rebuilds the walls and. And we look at Gideon and he, he can't see anything for his life but God speaks into his life and he goes on to lead the army of Israel into victory through many battles and, and there's all these characters where we see situations where people actually just step up I guess and really see the more that God has them come to reality but at the same time there are a few stories in the Bible where we see the opposite happen where we see people have dreams and visions and desires for what God has for their life and and they don't quite step into it. They sort of get stuck on a stumbling block. And this is what I really want to look at first thing this morning. It's in Numbers 13. So if, if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. The, the scripture is going to be up on the screen. But just to sort of set the story up, the story in, in Numbers 13 is where the Israelites have been walking through from, from, from Egypt, heading towards the Promised Land. They're walking towards what God has for them. And they're right on the verge of it, and they're right there, and God actually says to Moses, send some spies. Get, get 12 people, one one leader from each tribe, and send them into the promised land. Scope it out. See what's there. And uh, and just sort of, I guess, get yourselves prepared for what I'm going to lead you and step you into. And so the 12 spies go out, and, and they inspect the promised land. They go have a look. They spend 40 days there. And they, they, they see all the, all the enemies that, that they're going to face, but they also see the good things. They see... They see the, the fruit and all those type of things, and, and then they come back and they give the report. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. As I said, it's in Numbers 13, verses 27 to 33. And let's read it here in verse 27. This is their report. So this is the report of the 12. So they've come back, they've looked, and they've come back, and they were giving the report to Moses and, and, and the Israelites. It says, this, it says, We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it has produced. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, and all along the Jordan. Oh, sorry, and all along the Jordan Valley. And I just want to pause here for a second, because we, here we see, I guess, the initial... The initial report of what they saw, and they start off, you know what, we saw the good stuff. We saw all the stuff that God has promised us. And if you actually skip back a few verses, you see that they actually found a a bunch of grapes there that was so large that it took two guys to carry it. Like, there was good stuff in this promised land. It wasn't just a made-up place that God was taking them to. It was a promised land that was actually going to bless them, that was going to help them in life and help them to progress as as the nation that God had, had called. But then they go on to all the tough times. They go on to all the things that they saw was going to stop them, that was going to hold them back, that was going to be the things that really, I guess, held them captive, that wouldn't let them, I guess, possess all the things that, that they were going to step into. But but as we know, those of you that know the story, and if you don't, I'm going to sort of give you a bit of an education. There was two within the twelve that didn't think like this, that had, that had more eyes, I guess, for the promises that God had given them. You see, at this stage, God had led them from Egypt to where they were. They, they'd been through the Red Sea. They'd seen seen the waters part. They'd seen all the plagues. They'd, they'd been led by the cloud in the day and the pillar of fire at night. God even gave them manna from heaven and, and water out of a rock. And they'd seen so many promises. And then God says, you know what, I'm promising you this land, yet... Yet yeah, they still didn't believe it when they had this report. When this report came back, the people of Israel were like, what is going on here? We, we've come all this way, we've seen all this stuff, but now, now we're coming up against this. And, and their eyes went off of the promises that God had for them, and they got stuck on the situation around them. But there was two. There was two of the twelve that had a different outlook, that had a different perspective, and that was Caleb... And Joshua. So if we continue reading in verse 3, it says this, But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men, who were the other, the other ten, the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there, or the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them we felt like grasshoppers and that's what they thought about us as well. You see, they got their perspective off of the promises of God. They sort of forgot about the dreams, the visions, everything that God had promised them and they got focused on the things around them and they were letting their situations and circumstances hold them captive. They were stuck. They couldn't move. They couldn't see what God had for them because they were too busy focused on themselves. And, and I've got a really practical illustration that I want to do right now. So Chris, if you want to jump up on stage, I want to, I guess, make this, this little passage of Scripture quite practical for us, so we can sort of understand, I guess, what this, what this sort of looks like. And this is Chris. Obviously, everybody knows Chris, but for the sake of this illustration, he isn't Chris, okay? Because uh, you'll, you'll have a different perspective of Chris if you keep thinking of him, uh, what, how I'm going to present him in this illustration. All right, so Chris is a young man, or let's say, what, middle-aged? How old's middle-aged? 45? Fifty. I don't know. what's. My... See, I said middle-aged at our church in England, and I got abused. Anyway, Chris is a middle-aged man, and the stage represents his life. At the end of the stage on that side is the more that God has for him. It's, it's the visions, it's the desires, it's all the stuff that God, I guess, has placed in his life, and has sort of placed in his heart, and that he wants to see happen. You see, he's a father, he's got a job, he's got a couple of kids, and and he really believes that God has dreams and a vision for his family, for himself, for, for his work situation, everything that he's in and about. But as Chris starts the journey through life, as he starts walking through life, there's different things that happen in work. And the first thing that happens is, is that, that work becomes something that is a bit too much of a priority. It, it, it's something that takes his time away. He he has a few disagreements with his boss and he's got an employee that, that he doesn't really like and, and, and one of his work work colleagues has, has rubbed him up the wrong way and things haven't gone so well at work and and he starts letting work, I guess, consume some areas of his life that he shouldn't have and, it, and, and, and unfortunately like the will of God is still there, the more that God has for his life is there but now he's, he's sort of put one foot into his work a bit too much than he should have and now work has become something in his life that that is going to hold him stuck. It's going to become an extra burden. But Chris is still able to move towards all that God has for him. He's still walking through life fine. He's just got this little bit of extra thing going on called work that's really tying him up. And then because of all the issues at work, he starts having some issues at home with his relationships. And that then becomes a bit of an extra thing that he never saw coming along. You know, the stress from work he now takes home and and he puts it on his wife and his kids and and work becomes a bit too much and and it doesn't quite, I guess, function at home like it used to. Like He used to get home and be able to spend enough time with everyone, but now now things are a little bit rough and, and he doesn't have time and he starts acting at home, probably not the way he should, and things get a bit rough and different. But you know what? The things of God are still here. He can still see it. He can still move towards it. Though he's prohibited and he's a little bit stuck, he can still keep going towards God and his faith and his trust is there. But because of all these other things in his life, to try to deal with them, to try cope with them, and as a, as a coping mechanism, he starts dabbling in a few sins. There's a few sins in his life that, that he never used to have, but he starts dabbling them in, in, in his life, whether he's looking at a few things he shouldn't be looking at, or if he's saying a few things that he shouldn't be saying, whether he's doing a few things he shouldn't be doing. And the problem with sin is that sin blinds us from the things of God. The more that God had for him, the vision, the dreams, the desires that he so wanted at the start of his life, he can't see them anymore because the sin's there. You see, the dreams, the visions, they're not gone. They're not, they, they haven't disappeared. They're still here. But he's lost because the sin has blinded him in his life. And this is what happens with us. We get stuck. All right, you can take that off. You're done. Thank you. Yeah, give him a hand. We hadn't practiced that, so he did really well. But... You, can you see my point that I'm trying to make there? And that's what happened with the Israelites. The things, the circumstances, the things around them got them distracted and they stopped looking at what God had for them and they got focused on other things and actually distracted them from what God had told them to do, His command for them. And and, and they got stuck. And you know, if you go on and read in Numbers 14, you actually see the story that, that God then responds to them and says, you know what, All right, I'm going to wipe out this whole generation. This generation that is living in fear and doesn't want to step into the promises, I'm going to wipe you out. Until, until the next generation rises up and I'm going to lead them in. So basically God waited till every, every single person over the age of 20, he wiped them all out, he led them back into the wilderness for 40 years, which was the exact amount of days that they'd been out scoping the land. And he waits and he wipes them out and then, and then the next generation step in and, and the next generation, I guess, get the blessing, get the promise that God had for them. And I guess this morning, for the rest of my message, I want to talk about, all right, if we're at that place, if we're stuck, if we're at this place where we can't see anything further, what, what can we do? What 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 can God, what what does God have for me? Well, how can I sort of, I guess, get the more that God has for us? And that's what we're going to look at. And And this is my second passage of Scripture, and I've got three points that we're going to sort of jump through and, and go through with the remaining time that I have left. And uh, it, it's Romans 12, if you've got it, verses 1 to 2. I'm going to read it out of the message in a moment. Um, but if it doesn't matter what version you got; that's fine. Romans twelve. But before I do, in my research for this message, I actually—I um, <laughs> don't know if you call Facebook research—but sure, in my in my in my research for this message, yeah, I know. Tell me about it. I found a science article um, as I was scrolling through, and, and and the the heading for it was um, uh, uh, how to grow three inches. And I was like, okay, I'm short. I need to know how to grow three inches. I've been short my whole life. Anyway, so I tapped on it and I looked at it and, and it, was a, it was a science article about astronauts and, and it was talking about how astronauts go into space and how when they go into space because they don't no longer have the limits of gravity on their spine, holding their spine down to the earth, their spine actually sort of opens up and becomes all that it can be, because they're no longer confined, I guess, by the gravity that's holding them on the planet, their spine can actually grow to its full potential, and there was one astronaut that actually came from space, and he had grown three inches taller, just by being in space for a period, I think it was about six months or something like that, he lived in the International Space Station, but he was gone for a while, he came back to earth, and he was actually three inches taller, because he was able to break away from from the gravity of earth, and my encouragement for you this morning is that God wants to take you to that place of of space and get you away from the gravity, away from the things that hold you back so you can grow to your full potential. You can grow to your full capacity that you're no longer held back by the things of this world, but you actually become everything God has called you to be. And you know, we read in John 10.10 that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But God said, or Jesus, sorry, said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning, that you can have that full life. That isn't some imaginary fantasy thing that Jesus said it's a reality. But you've got to make the choices to make it, I guess, happen in your life. And that's what we're going to look at. So as I said, we're jumping into Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. And uh, let's, let's, like I said, I'm going to read it in the message. So let's, let's read it together. It says here in the message, it says, So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking instead fix your attention on God you'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity God brings the best out of you he develops well-formed maturity in you and I think that well-formed maturity is probably the thing that you and I probably want most in our life. We want maturity. We want to be mature in the things of God, understanding His plans and purposes, understanding what He wants for us. And that scripture there actually says how we can get that. That scripture there says how we can actually obtain the maturity, the, the things of God that He's calling us to. And, and that's the three points that I'm just going to quickly quickly go over th- this morning with, with the remaining time that I have. And, and my first point is this. Taken from that passage of scripture, point number one is offer God everything. Offer God everything. You know, when we look at the first part of that scripture, it says, So here's what I want you to do God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Do you bring God into your everyday life? Do you allow Him into your life on a day to day basis? So not just on a Sunday, not just when you're here at 10 a.m. Or, or at the 5 p.m. service on a Sunday, but do you bring Him in to every area of your life? Because that's what that scripture is saying, take your everyday things, so the mundane, the routine, the things that you think God doesn't even care about, lay them at His feet, lay them at His feet. You know, I've got three sort of things in my own life that that where I've been able to actually apply this, Like, there's, there's been a change. And the first one is when I used to, I used to work for Rob Gibbo. So I used to work at Cruteo, I used to make kitchens and and I was an apprentice there and, and we got a machine there that drills holes in in the board and, and you literally just sit there, press a button, move the piece of wood, get the next piece of wood, press a button, drills holes, next piece of wood. And I found myself, this is many, many, many years ago, this is when I was in my early 20s and, and I found myself one day at work, it must have been, a, I think it was a message that Greg must have preached at church and he was challenging us on bringing God into our everyday environment. And I found myself at work one day just starting to pray and I said I just like I'm doing this routine task that was boring as anything but I just started praying and I was like God just come into this and I started praying for youth because I was a youth pastor at the time and I was praying for this that and everything else and I just started inviting God into my workplace into what I was doing there and it fully changed I guess what I do to the point that now even, even, even in my workplace I still take the time to pray about two months ago. I was, I was managing a building site and, um, and we had a big meeting coming up where our client was coming in and the architect and a few other people, big important people coming in, we're having this site meeting and we had had so many issues going on on the site for the previous few weeks and I wasn't sure what was going to go on and one of my other guys from my office came in who's also a Christian and he could see that I was stressing out, he could see that I was I was just losing the plot and he said, Sam, just calm down, let's just pray, let's just pray for, before we step into this meeting, before we step into this thing, just let's just pray so we did we stopped me me and my other colleague we just stopped in my office and we and we just stopped we prayed and we offered the meeting to god and and the building site and everything that was going on and and we stepped out of that out of that prayer time i guess with peace ready for the meeting not stressed out not worried not anxious about what was going to happen but we, we knew that god was with us he was for us we could step into it with peace and that was just, a, that was just an, a simple example of how I was able to bring, I guess, God into my workplace. But that all started when I made that decision many years ago when I was drilling on a machine, just pressing buttons to actually start praying whilst at work. It doesn't have to be out loud. It doesn't have to be down on your knees or whatever, although if you're comfortable with that in your workplace, is by all means, go do that. But just be including God in your everyday life. Just bring Him in. And another example is when I was a kid, I used to sleep over at my mate's house and um, his mum used to come in and pray with us before we go to sleep and she used to pray this prayer and she prayed it every time she would always pray this prayer of god i pray that you give these boys heavenly dreams that that you give them dreams about you and your heaven and all that you have for them and i I can i can clearly remember as an eight-year-old i used to think this lady was weird i used to think that these prayers is just like why are you praying this weird stuff over me i'm just going to sleep just let me go to sleep but she'd pray this prayer of god give them heavenly dreams give them give them peaceful thoughts and, and I, can, I can testify that I, I sleep, yeah Sophie, I sleep really well, even now I sleep really well. I can be asleep in the middle of a conversation, I sleep that well. I very rarely, very, very rarely have nightmares or anything like that and I've never struggled with sleep. And I truly believe it was because this woman took a simple situation of praying over us boys when we were young and God's just promise of that just sort of living in my life ever since. I've never struggled. And another really simple one, which I'm sure a lot of you parents probably already do this anyway, is we're saying grace before we eat, being thankful. You know, my parents always taught me to say grace and be thankful for, for the food on our table and just to be thankful for mum and, and the preparation that went into it. And, and, and it's just a simple thing. It's just a, an everyday thing. But if you can actually take the time and invite God into it, you never know the difference, the change that it might make. Your dinner conversation, that might just might be totally different. If you've got teenage kids, who knows the difference it might make that actually inviting God into your time that you're having with your meal just by saying grace. And uh, these are just simple everyday things. I think that we can actually take the things of God and say, you know what, God, I'm going to invite you in. I'm going to bring you in those everyday things. I'm going to lay it at your feet and I'm going to invite you in. So that was my first point. Offer God everything. Point number two is this. Focus on God through everything. So we read in the next part of the passage in Romans 12, it says this, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And this one's real simple too. It's what, what do you focus on? You know, that Scripture talks about the culture and, and how it influences us. And, and the thing about culture is you can't get away from it. Like you, as soon as you walk out the doors of this church, you're into the culture of the world, whether you like it or not. But whether you, you focus on it and look at it and apply it to your life is a totally different thing. You don't have to let that culture affect you if you're willing to focus on something different. And Jesus actually spoke a lot about about culture and what his beliefs were. And even the way that he lived his life, I guess, was the culture that I think he wanted us to pick up. You know, as Christians, we're called to be disciples of him. So it would make sense that the way that Jesus lived his life should be something that we're reflecting in our own. And Paul wrote in Philippians a, a, an excellent example of, I guess, the life that Jesus lived and the life that we're called to. And it's Philippians 2, 3 to 8. Paul writes this. He says, "He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus has." So here we go. This is the key bit. This is the bit that we need to be doing in our lives when we focus on God. Though he though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You see, Jesus didn't focus on what was comfortable for him or what he wanted to do. His heart was for those around him. He wasn't worried about making sure that crowd were happy and that there was a big crowd following him and making sure his popularity was high and getting as many likes as he could. He was just worried about meeting the needs of those around him and serving those that were closest to him. And that's the way that he lived his life and that's the attitude that he had. And it makes sense that we, as his followers, decide to do the same. You know, the greatest, I guess, oh, not I guess, but the greatest thing that Jesus ever did was that he was willing to lay down his will in the garden of Gethsemane and say, Lord God, your will be done. And the next day he would go through the process of being crucified, dying on a cross, all because he knew that the joy of the Father was to come when he would rise again and, and salvation would come and that when people put their faith and trust in him that people too could have a relationship with the father like he did and that is i guess the ultimate reason why we should serve and and, and meet the needs of those around us because who knows just by the actions that you do the things that you say the way that you act that just might be the tipping point for that person coming to know jesus as their lord and savior you know the actions that we do the words that we say are so powerful they have so much meaning and it's, a power, it's probably the most powerful tool that you have in your life is the way that you act and the way that you talk. And if we can focus on the way that Jesus lived his life and actually begin to replicate that in our own, then we're going to see change. We're going to see people influence. We're going to see people come to God in an amazing way. And I've got a quick little illustration about how what you focus on is where, I guess, where you end up. Because if you focus on the culture in the world, you will end up where the world wants you to be, which is in, in death and darkness and in a, in a horrible place. But if you can focus on the things of God, you'll end up in a totally different place. And that illustration is this. When it, I love motorsport. I love car racing. A lot of you already know that, so I don't have to bang on about that for too long. But there's a thing in, in, in car racing called the apex through a corner. And what the apex through the corner is, is the the ultimate line for the car or the motorbike to get through the corner we will actually get through holding the most momentum, so that way when they come out of the corner, they are coming out at the quickest speed that they can on the racing line, heading down to the, to the next corner down the straight or wherever it is. And the thing about this apex is, is as, as you come into the corner, the drivers focus on the apex. They're trying to hit the apex because they know if they hit it, if they hit that apex perfectly, they benefit out the other side of the corner. They don't lose speed, they don't lose momentum, but they actually get through the corner and get fired out the other side of the corner. But the thing about car racing and driving in general is also this. If you are actually focused on the wall, if you're focused on the outside of the track, you're going to end up there. I've, I've known so many, so many times I've been go-karting, particularly with people in this church, just want to say. And, um, and I've been focused on the wall or I've been looking at the car in front of me or I've been looking at the outside of the track or whatever. And next thing you know, I've ran into somebody or I've hit the wall or I've spun out. Because I wasn't focused on the apex in the corner. I wasn't focused on the ideal line through the corner. And because of that reason, I ended up crashing or I ended up doing something else. And I guess the reason I'm sharing this illustration is what you focus on is where you're going to end up. Where you're looking is where you're going to end up. So can I encourage you this morning? Be looking at the things of God. Be looking at His Word. Be looking at His promises. Don't lose sight of them. You see those Israelites? They lost sight of the promise. They got their eyes fixed on the wrong thing. They stopped looking at what God had for them. And they were focused on the giants and the troubles and the trials to come and they lost sight of what God had. But can I encourage you this morning with, with the more that God has for your life, stay focused on Him through the, through the troubles, stay focused on Him through every, every season that you're up against. And point number three for me this morning is this, is go all in, go all in. And then so finally we read in this Romans 12 passage, it says this, it says, readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Readily recognize what He wants from you. Readily recognize and quickly respond. Readily see what God wants and do something about it. If God's spoken to you, if He's given you a dream, if He's given you a command, if you've had a Bible reading this week and something's jumped out at you and you know that you need to do something about it, don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait till you're comfortable. Don't wait for circumstances to change. Quickly respond to it. You know, I can I can say this in my own life, particularly over the last five years going overseas, because there's been so many situations where, I guess, things have come before me, and I wasn't sure, but I prayed and seeked God, and He was able, I guess, to give me the wisdom. But... In every situation, in every season that we've been through since, we, that since we've been living in England, I've had the opportunity to either respond in two ways. I could respond, respond in my way or God's way. And to be honest with you, the closest that we ever came to missing out on what God has for us over there was when we wanted to do what we wanted to do, when we wanted to do the comfortable thing, when we, wanted to, we didn't want to be pushed, we wanted the security, we wanted the safety, we wanted the, the luxury. But the thing with God is, is that, that you're not always going to get that. And more often than not, that's not going to be the option. The option's going to be the tough option. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about what He can do in your life. It's about what happens when you put your faith, your trust in Him and the journey that He wants to take you on. Because then it's no longer about you and about, about what you can achieve. Because the thing about being human is that we've all got failures. We've all got things that we, that we struggle with. We're, we're, none of us are perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. And as soon as you try to live life in your own way, those imperfections are going to start coming out in different areas of your life. But when you live life the way that Jesus has called you to live in faith, then it's no longer about you and what you can do, but what about He can do. About the, the, the plans and the purpose that He has, the strength, the power, what His Holy Spirit can give you and do for you. And I want to encourage you this morning. This isn't about being perfect, because like I've already said, none of us are perfect. But it's about choosing to go all in in what God is calling you to go all in, in in his word all in in prayer all in in the way that you live your life all in in every area. And I think there's no better example of of this than NutriGrain. Who knows who likes NutriGrain? Do they still sell it here? Cuz I can't get it in the UK. But but NutriGrain, I love NutriGrain. But you know the slogan is I don't know if this is still the slogan for it, but it used to be the slogan was you only get out what you put in. You only get out what you put in. And it's the same with God. You know, God's got dreams, visions, plans, and more for each and everybody's life in this room. Not just me, not just Chris, not just Greg, but everybody, He has plans and dreams for you. But it's going to take a decision by you to actually say, you know what, God, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to chase those dreams. I'm going to step into what you have for me. I'm going to put my faith and my trust in you to see that become a reality in my life. And that's my encouragement for you this morning. Whether you don't have a dream yet and you want one, or maybe you had one and it's now lost and you're not sure where it's gone, I want to encourage you that God has a dream. And when you decide to go all in, that's when the changes start to happen. That's when things begin to move. That's when opportunities come. That's when things that may have been a stronghold before in your life are broken away. That's when things in your life that that were holding you back, no longer in your life and you can actually step into everything that God has for you. You know, if we go back, way back to the story in Numbers that I read about at the start in Numbers 13 and if we fast forward about about another chapter we read in in Numbers 14 verses 24 it reads this and this is talking about one of the guys so remember there was two that said you know what we can do this this scripture is talking about one of them his name was Caleb it says this but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. That promise that God's given you, if you follow God wholeheartedly, it can become a reality in your life. Not just a false image, not just a false thing out there, but something that can become true for you. And I can preach a message like this with full, I guess, faith and trust in God because that's what he's done in my life. That's what he's done in me. You know, when I left Australia, I don't say this at my church very often because they would probably get a bit upset with me, but I didn't want to be a youth pastor anymore. When I left Australia, I, I was more than happy for God to take me on a new adventure and I didn't want to be a youth pastor, let alone at, at a Hillsong church. I didn't even want to go to a Hillsong church. So, this is quite funny, actually, a little side story. But when we actually moved to London, we didn't even go to Hillsong the, like for the first year that we were there. Most people are like, oh, you must have been in Hillsong for years, you must have gone to Hillsong College and all that stuff. i like, no. Nah never went to a hillsong church until we started going like to the one that we're at now because i got over there and i had the, i guess things that i thought was right and i thought i had things that that i i i wanted i guess in a way and things that i wanted to achieve it in my life and in ministry and whatever else but then god said no sam i've got a plan and i've got purposes but you need to trust me you need to trust me you need just to do what i tell you to do lead So go where I lead you. Take the opportunities that I lay in front of you. And I made a decision maybe about a year and a half into moving to England that, God, you know what? From now on, if you place an opportunity before me, whether I think it's the right one or not, I'm going to at least look at it and step into it and I'll see where it takes me. And now I get get the unbelievable privilege to still youth pastor, an amazing youth ministry and a a part of an amazing church and and get to do amazing things that I never would have even dreamed of doing. But I don't say this to, to, to boast about me and what, what I've done because it's not about me but it's what God has done in my life and He wants to do the same in yours He's, He's crying out to do it in your life He wants to do it in your life He wants you to have fulfillment, purpose and life not just on a Sunday in church but in every area of your life every day and it starts by going all in you know the band are up and, and we're going to sing a song in a moment I'm just going to encourage everyone if you just like to stand where you are I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the word this morning, and um, and I'm just gonna if, if you're comfortable, just close your eyes and, and maybe bow your heads just where you are. This is an opportunity for you to respond to God and, and what He's doing. You know, if if you've been challenged this morning and and you know that that you've lost sight of the vision, you've lost sight of the dreams, you. Or maybe you didn't have one in the first place, but this morning you've realized you need to get a dream from God. If that's you, I just want you just to lift your hands to God right now because I want to pray for you right across this place. It doesn't matter. No one's looking. So if you just feel comfortable, reach out to God. Father God, these people right here that are reaching out to you, Lord God, Lord God, pour your fresh vision out in them, Father God. Reveal to them, Father God, your plans and purposes for their life, Father. I pray for these people, Lord God, as they leave church this morning Lord god that they can go with a new passion and a new desire for all of you Lord god that they will commit to going all in being focused on you and all that you have for them father god thank you jesus you know we're going to sing a song now and and this is your moment to to respond to god here this is your moment to to have a moment with him so come on church let's sing Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian work. Please tune in again for next week's message.